because I thought I could still talk to my buddies in school. And the teacher was always like, Dan, be quiet. <laughs> Projects. Anyway. So, good morning. I said something about it last week, but I'll say it again. I just love that when we say children's church, and this time I think somebody said, I'm going to win, as he, as he ran out. That's, uh, yeah, that was yours. <laughs> I love it. That reminds me of my little girl. <laughs> Every, everything is, I'm going to win. We're starting to eat. I'm going to win. I'm like, no, this is not the place. Stop it. Anyway, it's cool. Anyway, uh, Marisha, Larry, thank you for uh, leading up here. Um, I like what he said about... Uh, not being normally part of his wheelhouse, because if we wanted even less a part of the wheelhouse, we would have had me up here trying to lead you in singing, and we would have redefined making a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's what that would have been, so bless you guys. Appreciate you stepping in and stepping up. Uh, Jubal and his family, they are, uh, he's preaching somewhere else, uh, filling in for a buddy at another church, um, so um, that's where they are, and uh, so when they come back next week, uh, let's welcome them back and give them a hug. And as you're hugging him, whisper in his ear, don't you ever leave again. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do that, please. That would be really creepy. Anyway, happy Labor Day. Did you guys notice that? Tomorrow's Labor Day? Anybody off tomorrow? Yeah? No? I'm sorry. Some people have to work on Labor Day. It's just how it is. Um, a lot of us excited for the three-day weekend. I... Uh, was driving up the 287, and I saw, I think on Friday night, a bunch of people driving with boats somewhere. <laughs> and I thought, attendance is going to be lighter in church. <laughs> that's, that's what we pastors do. We're always negative like that. We're like, oh, everybody's leaving town. But on the other hand, I decided to be positive and say, Lord, bless them, give them safe drive, and hope they have a good time. Because three-day week weekends, they don't always happen. And it's good to have that time of rest. In fact, we're going to be talking about unplugging from work next week. Today, though, I'm going to talk about the gift that work is. Work is a gift. And you might be thinking to yourself, how is that possible? He doesn't know my job. How is work a gift? It actually is. And I'd like to invite you, if not already in the book of Genesis, to turn to chapter 2, verse 5. Genesis 2, 5. And just to kind of catch you up real quick as to where we've been, the Bible is all about God. And so is life. Amen? The Bible is all about God, and so is our life. And we do well to orient our thinking around this idea that it's not about me, but it's all about God. And join him in what he's doing. We saw God creating the universe with, their, with his words. Let there be. Let there be. Let there be. As he spoke things into being with intention, with purpose. And in, in that way, he also made humans. He called him Adam, or Adam, as we say it in our language, and made humans, made us in his image. We talked about that last week. Breathing life into us and putting us in charge of his world. We are therefore wanted, not accidents, and given the responsibility of serving God by representing him in the world around us, to the people around us, and to the places that God has placed us in. We are called, therefore, to love each other, respect each other as image bearers. I've been thinking about it a lot lately um, because I've been talking about it here, so it's been refreshed in my mind on how much our society would be different if we looked at each other as image bearers of God. Wouldn't that just increase our respect and value for each other? And everybody, no matter how old they are, and how young they are, how pre-born they are, every single human being in the image of God. 
and we remember that. That's an image bearer of God. She's an image bearer of God. How that would change what we do and how we say and how we talk to each other and how we think. And I'll just say it. People make fun of us Californians. How we drive on the highway might have changed a little bit this weekend. I saw among some people if we saw each other as image bearers of God. I had to remind myself, okay, that guy in the truck is an image bearer of God. Bless him, Jesus, because I know what I want to do. Anyway, (laughs) loving each other, respecting each other as image bearers, obeying God, and serving the world and serving each other. And today we're going to talk a little bit about part of that responsibility, which is this, if you're following the outline, here we go. Number one, God gave us work to do. God gave us work to do. It is true. It is part of the creation story. We're going to see it again, but if you already heard it once, he gave to Adam the job of working the land. He told him to work the land. Let's see here. Verse 5, again. When no bush, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, this is where I told you to go. I forgot I said that. I'm sorry. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, And there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Remember last week I talked a little bit, if you were here you might remember me talking about how God didn't have to make things beautiful. It actually calls it out. God thought through what the trees should look like. Not just that they would bear fruit, but that they'd be pretty. (laughs) Pleasant to the sight. There you go. Pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Please drop down to verse 15 with me. Verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You shall surely eat of every tree of the garden, but for the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for that in that day you eat of it you will surely die. So God, on day, on, on, during the days of creation, he created trees and grasses and all that stuff but he makes this special place over here Uh, Moses says it's in the east because remember he's writing this on the other side of the Jordan River before they enter into the land of Canaan which we call today the land the the nation of Israel so east some of you might remember that some people think Eden might have been over where the Tigris and Euphrates come together in modern day Iraq if that's true that that plays out that is indeed east and so he's he makes this garden area where it's special, and it's, it's pretty, and it's enclosed. This is kind of the idea in the original wording. This was wonderful place where there's lots of fruit in abundance, lots of vegetables, and it's beautiful. And he takes this human being that he creates, different than all the animals in several ways, one of which is it, the Bible doesn't say that he breathed into the nostrils of every animal the breath of life, but he took the human and personally filled him with that the, the word ruach in, in Hebrew is the word for breath, but it's also the word for spirit. He put spirit into human beings and the breath of life. And then he takes this man and he puts him in the garden. He doesn't just leave him where he was. He puts him here in this garden place and says, keep it. 
take care of it. So in a land called Eden, there's this garden, and he put them there and gives them the responsibility. See all these trees I made to grow here? You manage this. Work it. Keep it. Enjoy it. All the fruit, except for, of course, the fruit from that one tree over there, which we'll get to in a couple weeks. He also gives, so he gives them the gift of responsibility, but also gives them oversight over the animals. You're still in chapter 2. Let's see here. I copied it into my notes, but I didn't even say what verse this was. It says, out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was his name. I don't know about you, but that's probably one of the hardest jobs ever. In my brain, I don't know how this looked. He has the man standing there, and he brings all the animals by. Think like an animal parade. And God says, what do you want to name that one? What do you want to name that one? What do you want to name that one? I don't know what I would do, (laughs) especially when the platypus comes walking by. I'd be like, beaver duck? (laughs) I don't know. But here's one of the things that blows my mind about this. God created everything, right? He made all of it. But then he parades it by this human he also created and says, what do you want to name it? And goes with whatever the human comes up with as the name for the thing. Do you see, again, the sharing and humility of our God? Because when you name something, it's kind of like ownership. You're taking ownership for the thing. Your responsibility over it. Uh, To prove it, in case you're wondering how I know that, What's the first thing you do when you bring a new pet or a stuffed toy to your kid? You guys remember doing that? What's one of the first things you do? What are you going to call it? And then when the kid says the craziest thing, you go with it because it's theirs. (laughs) Um, My uh, little boy, we took him to an aquarium. And this is when he was really little, so he was still in a little stroller. And he saw the little baby penguin stuffed toys. And I was like, oh, you want the baby penguin? He said, yeah. We got the, I pulled out this little baby penguin stuffed toy, and I handed it to him. What are you going to call it? He goes, baby. Okay. And to this day, Joel likes to go to bed with baby. We had to get him a new baby, though, because Dexter got to baby one day. It was a tragic event. Because <laughs> Dexter had other plans with baby. But Dexter's my dog, by the way, in case you haven't figured that out yet. So we had to get him a new baby. Baby's his favorite. Then my little girl, we went to the same place, and they didn't have, actually, they did have those little penguins, but they also had a penguin with a mermaid tail. Weird, freaky thing going on here, some hybrid creature. So it looks just like baby up top, but it's got a mermaid tail. And we said, hey, Jenny, is this what you want? She was going, yeah, yeah, I want that. So we handed it to Jenny, and I said, Jenny, what are you going to call it? And she said, mermaid penguin. I said, functional, I like it. So yes, mermaid penguin is the name of this other thing. My favorite story about this is my nephew. I was living with my sister when I was going to seminary, and uh, her, her boy, he was five years old, and they got him one of those uh, like pillow pet things. It was a cow. And she said, what are you going to name it? And he said, Dustpan. Okay. This cow is named Dustpan. Because <laughs> if it's theirs, and you're giving them the opportunity to name it, you got to go with it. And God does that with the human, with Adam. He's got him here. He's going, here's all my animals that I made. What are you going to call that one? And whatever he said, that's what it is. 
Isn't that a clear sign that God is sharing what he has made with us and giving us that responsibility? And when it's God's stuff, God's creatures, and he says, name it. You're responsible for this. You take care of it. When you get to name something, it asserts a certain amount of ownership and responsibility. And when we care for whatever part of creation that's under our influence, hear me, this is interesting because we don't often think about it, we are being godly. If you're like me, when someone says, you need to be godly, when I grew up, when I heard, you need to be godly, that meant a bunch of different things that's classic for old school Baptist churches, right? So I was like, okay, all right, so that means don't smoke, all right? Don't go to the movies. Man, I really sinned on that one. Um, don't listen to that rock music. I'm so glad no one yelled amen just then. Um, and, and just say, all this don'ts, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And I've come to find that there's a lot of things that aren't in the Bible and don't really mean God doing this like we thought they did. Some things do, some things we ought to avoid. I, I get that. But sometimes we miss the things we're supposed to do and what godliness means and what we're supposed to be doing. It's so easy to say the don't, 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 and then shrug our shoulders with what are we supposed to be doing. Well, one of the ways we can be godly is to do the work that God gave us, which is to be responsible for that which is and those who are around us within our realm of influence. We talked about that when we talked about being in the image of God as representations of God and his will that we demonstrate and declare to the world around us. That's a vital part of this. Because if we don't, if we are not behaving responsibly with the world around us, what God has given us, we are not being godly. So what does this mean, Dan? I have to go get a dog and plant a garden in my backyard? Well, if God tells you to do that, by all means, do it. And I do, rep- I, I do recommend dogs. Dogs are pretty cool. Cats, uh, I think that's an influence of Satan in this world. We can discuss that later. But um, dogs. I'm going to get a lot of notes in the mail. <laughs> you haven't met my cat? No, I don't want to. So, dogs. Dogs are great. Take care of your dog. We ought to, if you have a dog, it's godly to take care of the dog. You love the dog. It's part of your responsibilities. Garden. Do you have to get a garden? Now, here, I'm going to be honest with you. As your pastor here, I have figured out how to kill plastic plants. It ain't easy, but I'm good at it. I'm not that kind of guy. So, and it, but it's not because of that that I'm telling you you don't need to get a garden. But I'm saying this. Where did God put Adam? In a garden. So here's the question for you. Where did God put you? And that's where you take care of. That might include a garden, and it might not. You've been placed somewhere. And that somewhere comes with a certain degree of responsibility. And I'm just inviting you today to think about that. Maybe you never have before. Are you in a home? Maybe it's not all your home. You have a room? Are you in a school with all the schoolwork and stuff that that implies? Do you have a job where you work and do things? That affects other people. Are you a part of a church family where we have things to do together? If you're here, you're placed here. And if you're placed here, you're here to represent God, His will, among the people and in the place 
where you have been placed. Have you ever thought about this before? And how deep this goes? It's easier, and we often do this, we segment things. That's church life, that's work life, and school, and that part of my life is fun. This part is terrible, so I'm just phoning it in and trying to get through. And um, I remember going through school with that kind of an attitude. Going through college, there were classes I liked, classes I didn't. You could tell by my grades which ones got my best efforts and which ones I just got through. (laughs) Some classes I didn't get through and I had to do again. (laughs) And then I put best effort in because I didn't want to do that again. And so I I was stuck in these weird cycles sometimes. But we need to consider wherever we are at all times, we're there for a reason. What are you doing with it? How are you bringing yourself to that table? Do you go into those situations and in those environments recognizing that you are there to represent God's will? Or are you representing something else? We've been given work to do. Given. It's easy for us to think that where we are, where I live, where I go to work, even maybe where I go to church, is it all part of just the choices I've made in life? I chose to move here. I therefore live in this house because I looked at the other houses and I chose this house based on price and value, etc. And, li- and that house happens to be in this neighborhood. And therefore, this is where the kids go to school. And this is the church I go to because it's close. And I picked it. And I'd like to challenge your thinking to consider that, yes, you made those choices at the grace of God, where he, in fact, was influencing you. He, I would go so far as to say, placed you where you were. Yes, you made decisions, but he was behind those decisions. He was presenting the evidence to you. He was directing your paths. How do I know that? Well, for one thing, the Bible tells us to pray for that, (laughs) that he would direct our paths. And the Bible speaks of a God that is sovereign. He's in charge. And it says, at least in terms of churches, that he arranges his church with people with different kinds of gifts, abilities, and talents, and interests, and passions, so that his body can grow more mature together. That means it's not by an accident or by just purely your choice that you're here, but God has brought you here. And I think he does what he does in our lives to bring and arrange for his will and his glory. Down to where you live, yes. Down to what you put on your body to wear today. I was joking with uh, Larry and Mauricia because they were both wearing green. And they were like, I know, we coordinated. I was like, that's disgusting. I mean, that's cute. That's great. Maybe God did that to you. I don't know. (laughs) God has given you the work that you've got. And I know we all might have various opinions on our jobs. But God has given it to you, at least for the time. And, despite what you and I sometimes might think and have thought, number two, work is a gift and not a punishment. Sure, we've had those Monday mornings where we got up and said, what did I do, God, to deserve this? (laughs) It's not a punishment. It's a gift. Why? 
We all, I think we all know that there's a story coming up that we haven't gotten to yet. It's, about, it's called the fall, where everything gets off the rails and broken. God gave Adam work before the fall. And God does everything good. This is before everything got broken. So that's to be considered. Also is this, to work, like I've already said, is to be like God. We've just read and considered that God is the creator of this universe, and he worked the first six days of creation before he rested. And remember, we're image bearers of this God. We represent him. To refuse to work, then, is to make it seem like we're more important than our creator. And we're not. <laughs> Therefore, we've been given work. We've been commanded to work. And to work is to serve God, remember, he gives us the work. It involves his things and his people. So therefore, to do the work given to us is a way of working for and serving God himself. Everything is his. Everything. So our work shows how much we care about what is his and the responsibilities we have been given. Remember, you've been put where you are for a reason. It's not an accident. It's God's design. So, we have been placed where we are and given the responsibilities and oversight. If you're wondering where to start, if I'm supposed to work in a godly way, start there. Where are you? What have you been given to do? It's all a part of being in God's image. To work is what it means to be part of what it means to be godly. And to work is to serve others. Now, some of you might be thinking about your first job. Maybe you're, it's where you are now. Maybe you're applying to get work somewhere. My first job was to work at a United Artists movie theater. It was one of those little four-screen theaters back in the day attached to the Brea Mall, okay? And guess what? Obviously, once you start in a movie theater, what do you think the first job they give you is? Nope, even before cleaning up. And this is something we don't do anymore, so this is something we don't think about. I was the guy that would stand there at the door. Hi, welcome to United Artists. <laughs> Theater's on your left. And I remember how awkward it was that the first hour of doing that for the first time, my manager sat in the ticket booth and just watched me. I'm like, am I going to tear the ticket wrong? Why do I need to be observed? <laughs> this is weird. It's perforated. It's real easy. I just rip it and hand them the stub and say, it's on the left. Guess what? All the theaters were on the left. I could not mess this up. <laughs> Unless I missed putting it in the slot. I know everything's digital now, so it's not even a thing. You don't get that job anymore. But that was my first job. And I remember thinking to myself, this is just a job. How is God possibly glorified by me ripping your ticket? to come in and see a movie. When I got really good at the ripping of tickets, by the way, yes, I did get upped to cleaning the theater, and what a great promotion that was. And I say that because <laughs> we were the theater in the mall. What does that mean? It means there are a lot of moms who like to go shopping and enjoy the babysitting of throwing their kid to see the, most la the latest Disney movie, which was like... No, you can't just throw your kid in here. But they would often make that a stop in their, in their shopping. And every time we got the newest Disney movie, when everybody left the theater, the, it looks like the theater had been carpeted with soaked, Coke-soaked popcorn. And here I am with my dustpan and broom to glorify God. Okay. <laughs> and we would clean it 
And the most fun, though, was when you put on the backpack with the blower, just blow it all up in front and scoop it up. That was my first job. And then concessions, yeah. Those hot dogs that have been on there all day. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> Popcorn, cleaning. Now, this is old school. This will date me. After I got promoted from there to threading the movie with actual film, you know, putting it through the thing. That was, oh, man, big time. Four seventy-five an hour. Woo. Watch out, world. I'm telling you all these stupid stories because I understand the temptation of this isn't doing anything for the kingdom of God. How could I possibly, what is this stuff representing God here? Here's the question I ask. Do you interact with humans while you're doing this work? Yeah, you do. Is it possible to just kind of clean theater number three? And everyone knows you just kind of clean theater number three? It's kind of messy still. Do, do people see how you treat other people when they're ordering food at the concession stand? And I know, I had to hold back. It, it was the most fun thing in the world was when a guy would walk up and say, all right, extra large popcorn with a layer of butter every six inches, hot dog, nachos, and yeah, you better make it a Diet Coke. And I would want to laugh. <laughs> Oh, okay, sorry, you're serious. Cool. <laughs> no, I had to be nice. I had to be cool. <laughs> I had to handle customer complaints and issues. And guess what? You're interacting with humans all the time. And how long do you think it took before anybody found out on staff that I was a Christian? Not too long. And they watch. And they see how you treat people. That's a friend. And if I really believe that everybody that walks through those doors is an image bearer of God, they therefore deserve respect from me. Okay, that would change the way I act, if I really believe that. And if I'm here to represent God, how would God want me to clean theater number three? Probably pretty well. It's an area of my responsibility. So yeah, it doesn't matter if you work at an entry-level job somewhere. Or if you're the CEO of something, you've got a set of responsibilities in which there are people and there are things to be done that ought, therefore, to be done well. Why? Because of who you are. Made in the image of God. Given that garden. <laughs> given those animals. Sometimes you think the people are animals. That's okay. But you're given that. To work is to be godly. And to work is to serve others, to recognize their value, and that what you're doing, whatever it might be, is providing some kind of need. Therefore, do it well. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul talks about it this way. Chapter 6, verse 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether he is bondservant or free. Masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. You think about the 
this is earth-shaking stuff back then. He's literally using the terms of masters and bondservants. Can I translate bondservant for you? Slave. <laughs> He's talking about masters and slaves. These were people back then who, these people had no value and these people had all the value. And he's telling these people over here, work hard, do your best, as if this master of yours isn't your master, but Jesus is, because he is. And then he turns to the master and says, treat them like a human being. Don't be a jerk. Recognize that Jesus is your master and theirs, and he sees everything you do. And if he would go so far as to say that to the slave and master relationship, how much more to your supervisor and you? your direct report, and those who report to you how we ought to treat each other and how hard we should work to do our best for God and for each other. You all know how it is. I know, I can guarantee that anyone who has ever worked in this room, that you've worked with another person who kind of just did their job halfway. Am I right? What does that cause? Someone else, sometimes you, you got to fill in all their gaps. I've had that done to me, and I've done that to others. That's not God's intention. That's not God's will for us. That's not representing. That's not loving my neighbor. That's not doing for others what I would want them to do for me. To just phone it in and just get by. So not only what we're doing, but the way we do it is an important part of being godly, about being God's representative, being created and placed in a situation by God's design. And never mind this little bit as well. Doing your work and doing it well is how you provide for yourself and your family. Have you noticed that? Well, things called paychecks. <laughs> the ability to feed yourself and house yourself. I have to have these conversations with both of my kids when they were at certain ages, but Jenny being three, she got used to daddy being home when his, when his foot was first broken, like a lot. And so then I, but then I started getting more into the pastoring work and now full time again. And so she asked me the question, where are you going in the morning when I'm getting dressed and get, heading out the door? Where, daddy, daddy, where are you going? I, said, I gotta go to work, baby. Why? And I say, oh, I've thought, asked myself that question many times. Why? Why? Because the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the roof over our head, it takes money. Money needs work. You don't, they don't just give it out. I got to go get it. <laughs> got to go work for it. And people expect me to do the things I'm going to go do. Whether it was at Amazon, church, anywhere. I got to go do the things. People are depending on me. I'm going to go do them. Why? If I lit Jenny, she'd why me all the way back to the creation story. <laughs> I said, no, honey, you'll understand someday. But I'll be back tonight. And then she just registers it enough to say, can I have a bowl of cereal? Okay, here's your Cheerios. And you're, okay, good. Bye. And I walk out the door and sneak out as best as I can. Sometimes as kids, we don't understand it. But as adults, as maturing people, we must understand you've got to be responsible to take care of what's yours. That involves doing work. Whether it's directly working like on a farm to feed the family right there or going out and making money to buy the things you need. This is a gift from God that he has given us so that we have that ability. So I learned to pray this. Well, not at first, not when I worked at United Artists Movie Theaters, but eventually I started learning this. Before I'd go to work, I'd say, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to go to work. 
because by it, I know I'm able to maintain my lifestyle. By it, I recognize I'm learning skills that'll help me later. By it, I intend to represent you in this world. Help me do a good job. There were times where I even remembered to do that before I went to school. I'm going to do well in school today. I'll be honest, God, it's just because I want those teachers to get off my back. <laughs> but help me to learn what I'm supposed to learn. Help me be a good student. This, this took a while. This took way too long, I'm embarrassed to say. But <laughs> Lord, help me to treat these teachers the way I would want to be treated. It can't apply to them, can it? Yes, it does. <laughs> Help me to treat my fellow students the way that I would like to be treated. With respect, with me doing a good job, with letting myself be taught, but letting myself be put in a position of learning. Help me to do my best. Help me to serve you in this. If we work, whether whatever it's a job, it's school, it's the yard, it's whatever, the house, the church, things that need to be done. And when we are at work, labor, whatever it might be, if we work in a way to be like God and use it as an opportunity to represent him, to serve others, and provide for our needs, it behooves us to recognize this truth, that whatever God gives you to do, do it well and do it fairly. Do it well and do it fairly, like we just read in Ephesians Treat those under you well and fairly. Do what's in front of you well and as best as you can. Colossians 3. We have it on screen. Whatever you do, work heartily, as in put your heart into it. As for the Lord and not for men, just like we saw in Ephesians, right? Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your Reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. So like I said, students, your class participation, your homework, you're serving the Lord Christ. He will reward you putting your heart into it. If you do your best like you're doing it for God, treat your teachers and your fellow students like you'd like to be treated, guess what? I think the grades will probably take care of themselves. Workers, same. Do your best like you're doing it for God. Treat those who report to you and those you report to like those like you'd want to be treated. That God is the boss of all of them. Your pay and your needs will, be taking, will take care of themselves. Now, some of you have been tuning me out this whole time because you retired. Where are my retirees at? Okay, some of you aren't awake. Some of you got your hands up. Cool, awesome. Retirees, you've been wondering, what does this do for me? You know what? Many retirees that I've met are so busy <laughs> that they don't know how they worked work into their lives <laughs> when they did. They're like, ah, I've always got something to do. So guess what? You might not be making some kind of a thing like a paycheck, but you are working. You are working. So this absolutely applies to you. Do it heartily. And some of you are getting all into that Eden experience. Like, all I do is garden. Okay, <laughs> there you go. That's where God has placed you. I help take care of the grandkids. God has placed you. I volunteer here and there. Praise God. God has placed you in that. Do it heartily. Serve well. 
Don't complain to yourself and say, why well, aren't younger people doing this? Because you're there. <laughs> Do it well. Do it heartily. All I do is sit around and play bingo. Well, do it heartily. Actually, no. Repent. <laughs> God did not leave you breathing on this planet to play bingo. Only. I mean, take your time. You've earned it. But we all have something to do. Some of you are young and don't have a job yet, but you're in school. I've already talked about that. Do it to the best of your ability. What opportunities are before you? Serving in church. Do you volunteer in some way? Praise God if you do. No one should do everything. No one can do everything. But trust me when I tell you this, as, for, as it comes from the Bible, so I can say, thus says the Lord, you were not made and saved to attend church. You hear what I'm saying? You were not made and saved to attend. You were made and saved to serve. You've been blessed with opportunity, with energy, with talent and abilities and passions and interests that apply to a church body. Use them. And use them heartily. As for the Lord. Because how much more direct for the Lord can you be of doing it for church, okay? <laughs> we need you, and you need us. None of us are to phone it in any of our responsibilities. We are to serve with all that we can. Six days you will work and rest on the seventh. We'll talk about rest next week. But today, those of you who work, happy Labor Day. God bless you. Thank you for what you do. This world needs it. Don't think of your job as the thing that is useless. No. We need it. We need you. We need all of us to be pitching in to the serving of the church. Students, if you don't have a job, you're in school, you need to be prepared to work. So do well in school. Do your best. Retirees, we need you. The young people need mentoring. So step up. We need you to serve. Step up. A lot of you are. Praise God for you. Thank you. The world does not need... You know, here, I think you'll agree with this. If you haven't agreed with anything yet, the world does not need more lazy people. <laughs> I got the loudest amen of this service. Glory to God. <laughs> we do not need more lazy people. We need people who will work. The world doesn't need more people who hate their schools, hate their job, hate their housework, hate everything that they've got in front of them, and they grumble through half of it and don't complete any beyond that. They hate serving their community, hate serving their church, and though they wouldn't say this, what that basically amounts to, they hate their fellow human being. Imagine instead, let's use our imaginations here. You guys ready for me? Imagine a world where we all worked like we cared for who we do it for and saw it as a part of our taking responsibility for what God has given us in the moment. And as an opportunity to represent him and his goodness and his love and his generosity in doing whatever it is we do. Let's work and serve like that, church. That's what the world needs. What I wanted to do today was just remind you that work is a gift. 
And as you, maybe Tuesday, maybe Monday, maybe later today, do what you do. Do it for the Lord. I know that's one of those sayings we always say. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. But that's so cliche that that sometimes just runs through our head like nothing. I'm asking you to pause and think about what that means. That what you've been given comes from the Lord. And he's watching. And you will give an account of the responsibility that he has provided you. Maybe you've been starting to do your work halfway because it's boring. It's tiring. You're unappreciated. Hear the appreciation today. That what you're doing is worth it. And God has given it to you. He believes you're up to the challenge. Ask him for help. Maybe you are just trying to get through school. Same thing to you. Hear the encouragement today and be challenged. Let me give you a moment to reflect and then we'll pray together. I'll close in prayer. What is God telling you today? Ask him to show you. Father, we thank you for the work that you've given us to do. We repent. We recognize that we complain a lot. We whine a lot about a lot of things, about how hard things are, how challenging, and how unreasonable sometimes other people are. And we know that you know. We thank you that you see it all. That you reward. And sometimes we have to recognize that you, you've said vengeance is yours. So we leave it in your hands to help us, to vindicate us, to reward us as we put everything into what it is you've given us to do in all aspects of life. May we work and serve for your glory as your representatives in this world. Thank you for this time that we have together. And as we partake in communion together, we ask that you would truly let us feel your presence. And know the love of God through your son Jesus. It's in his name we pray together. Amen. So today, we want to celebrate communion.